Hi, it's Lynn Galadner, and welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm a writer and entrepreneur, and through decades of writing articles for magazines and newspapers and authoring books, I've learned that we succeed through inspiration from storytelling and deep and mutually beneficial relationships. This show began in 2018 after my father was diagnosed with a terminal illness, and I wanted a way to capture his stories and record his insights. It's grown since then to share stories of how people around the world make meaning from very ordinary pursuits. Now I focus on sharing the stories of writers, authors, and those in the world of publishing to learn how and why we create stories that help us make meaning from the mundane. I'm a former journalist and marketing entrepreneur, and I've been teaching writing for more than two decades. As a writing coach, I help authors build their brands and share their words. If you'd like to write with me, check out my offerings at lynngaladner.com. And you'll find more episodes of this podcast at makemeaning.org, as well as on every podcast platform you can think of. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts. Thank you for tuning in to the Make Meaning Podcast. Now, on to the show. Hey everyone, it's Lynn. I'm excited to announce that my novel, Woman of Valor, is making its debut September 26, 2023. It would make me so happy if you might pre-order your own copy or email me at lynn at yourppl.com if you'd like to be added to our street team or attend the virtual launch party. This is a novel with a strong female lead. There's lots of romance, deep love, but also betrayal and abuse and ultimately resolution. And if you're curious about the Orthodox Jewish world, you'll learn a lot from this story. I can't wait to tell you more about it. Stay tuned for our September 8th episode, which will tell you all about Woman of Valor, and I hope to include you in all of our book celebrations. Danny Hinkner is an electrician by training, but a writer since he was young, writing stories to record the, quote, wild, ridiculous, crazy shenanigans of his youth. Danny is the founder of Story Unlikely, a truly unique online literary publication that publishes incredible stories, including one of my favorite and best that I've written, The Roads We Travel. Danny writes primarily nonfiction, memoiristic pieces that take chaotic thoughts and transform them into a cohesive, beautiful narrative, inspiring emotions in readers. As a publisher, he loves finding that great author or story, helping polish their writing, and giving them an outlet and an audience. It is my great pleasure to welcome Danny Hankner to the Make Meaning podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so thrilled to talk with you. And so I want to start at the top with Story Unlikely. So tell yes. me tell me how this award-winning monthly literary magazine came to be and why you started it. Yeah, so, and as I say on the website, it's kind of an unlikely story. <laughs> I, I didn't imagine, you know, starting a magazine. I didn't, you know, starting anything like that. I didn't have any aspirations for uh, such an endeavor. But after years of kind of putting yourself out there as a writer, mm -hmm. and especially, and I think, you know, you'll relate to this. I write a different, you know, a host of different genres, but specifically, I think I'm you know, best at memoir. Mm -hmm. And so when you do that, you know, there's a something, I don't know, there's, there's an extra element of like emotion that you infuse into those stories that are about you. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think, you know, if I go back, I, I guess publishing stories about, you know, my life and, and just some of the difficulties that I've been through mm -hmm. and seeing the reaction from people. And some of them, you know, are people who, who know me, who are close. Some of them are like acquaintances and other ones are just people, you know, God knows where from, you know, somewhere around the planet mm -hmm. and just getting these reactions from people that 
whether they're just laughing hysterically or they're just, you know, weeping over their keyboards and, and just <laughs> connecting with you mm-hmm. on a, just a kind of a, a crazy level. Like I never expected that from just putting words on, you know, a screen. Yeah. But you you do that for, you know, a number of years and you just it's like, you don't forget those, those moments. And, and when you reach out and connect with people in that way. Mm-hmm. And so after doing that for, you know, a number of years, Mm-hmm. And kind of, I mean, I'm a little jaded by the industry as well mm-hmm. and and just kind of how the publishing industry works in a lot of ways and what they want and what they don't want. Mm-hmm. And I look at that and I think, you know, like the, the way that a lot of them go about um, choosing who to publish, what to publish, why. And I'm like, that's not the filter that I use as a reader. Like mm-hmm. I just want, I just want good stories. Yeah. And so I just kind of got this idea a couple of years ago and it was like, well, why don't I just, you know, start my own website. And, and cause I'd always had, you know, people asking me all the time, like, Hey, I, I read this, where can I read more of your stuff? And I'd be like, mm-hmm. Oh, well, you know, you can, I have a couple of things published here, or there, or you can, you know, awkwardly scroll through my Facebook feed, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, well, I'll just start a little website and mm-hmm. you know, that way I can put some stories on there and, you know, I can like passively build an audience and, mm-hmm. you know, one thing leads to the other and we we did a contest, you know, and then we started opening it up and like, well, mine is, I mean, I, I just like good stories. It doesn't have to be by me. Why yeah. don't I just open this up to other writers and, and have them come in? So then we started a regular submission um, period. And mm-hmm. then this, uh, we just wrapped up our second annual contest. Mm-hmm. Uh, the submission period ended on December 31st. Mm-hmm. And so we've just had, I mean, it's, it's really been growing pretty incredibly. Yeah. And yeah, it's just cool to see that, like, I'm not the only person out there that, just wants to read good stories regardless of genre or or, or whatever the flavor of the day is. Mm -hmm. I just want to read good stories. Yeah. I mean, so there's so much I want to respond to. And I want to say, first of all, that, you know, for our listeners, that this is the first time you and I are talking, but I like really am so eager when I see your email in my inbox. And it's funny how I actually even found Story Unlikely. And I don't know if I ever told you this, but I I was I really researched where I submit my essays to. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at poets and writers. I think that they have just a great um, yeah. listing. And I really trust a lot of what they say. And so yeah. I had not discovered you before. And so when I stumbled upon Story Unlikely, I went to the website, I really read everything. And I'm like, wow, this resonates. And I the piece I sent you was, I think, one of my best essays. And, mm. um, you know, I, so I, I was really looking for a home for it. I felt like, and in fact, it's funny because I feel like you embody some of the details of, you know, some of the people I was writing about in the essay, yeah. like just that you have like a lot of different talents and you're a writer, like just really yeah. cool. So I, I followed the instructions. You have to read carefully <laughs> if you're going to submit to Story Unlikely, I'm telling yeah. everybody, but but I did, and I submitted, and like the next day, you emailed me back, and you not only accepted the essay, but you wrote this really beautiful email that, I'm not going to lie, brought tears to my eyes. Yeah. And it really just, I was like, wow, this is, these are like two writers, two souls connecting over craft and storytelling, and I would never have found Story Unlikely otherwise. And, you know, I teach a lot of writing classes, and I actually even shared your acceptance email with oh, wow. my students. Yeah. yeah. And I, I teared up again. I'm like, oh my God, you guys, I'm such a sap. I'm like tearing up multiple <laughs> times, you know, but like it was, it was really, it was just so human and so connected. And that's what storytelling does for us. Yeah, and absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so your email even was very well done. So, well, <laughs> so thank, thank you. For that. And I, you know, just a comment on that. I mean, so from here, from my perspective, 
And I, I'm a picky reader. I'm going to say this right up front. Most of the stuff I read, I don't like. And uh-huh. most, of, and and I'm, I mean, whether it's submissions, you know, just from everyday Joes or stuff that's published, you know, by people who are in the in the trade and quote unquote professionals, like we reject a lot of stuff. We've got a lot of stuff from very talented people, and I reject the, you know, and I'm not like mean about it or anything, but it's like I have high standards and I want good stuff, and and when I see it and I know what it is, I like it, and I'm just blown away by it. And but that's mm-hmm. rare. Mm-hmm. And so when I got your story. I mean, and and I I think I mentioned this in the comments too. Like you, it's a I I feel for, and I'm 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 am this because I'm a writer and I know what it's like to play the submission game. Yeah, and it's just kind of exhausting. And especially you know if you if you're an adult and you have a family, you got a wife and you got kids and you got a job and you got all these responsibilities that you have to juggle. It's hard enough to find time just to write, let alone finding time to submit. Yeah, and yeah. and it's just in it you know and it's just a lot to mm-hmm. even, and I get it. I, I don't want to be like a jerk with story unlikely and be like, well, you need to know everything about us before you submit. But <laughs> no, at the same no. time, I, I certainly appreciate that if people do want to want to do that. And, and one of the requirements is, is signing up, but it's free. Mm-hmm. So anyway, when you, you know, when you read it, it's like, you knew, you knew what we wanted. Yeah. And the only way you could do that is with, if you take the time to do it. And I was blown away by that first and foremost, because it's like, if you're doing that for how many others, that's a lot of time. It's a lot of work. Yeah. And so just want to commend you on your, you know, your work ethic and your tenacity, which I think most writers, you know, don't really have. I think a lot of people are drawn into this. And I was the same way when I was a teenager. You yeah. kind of look at writing as like, oh, this is here, this glamorous thing and it's easy. And I could, I could, you know, kick back with a cup of coffee in the morning and I could just do this all day long and I don't have to go out and work in the cold. And, you know, I think there's an element of like, you know, as you mature as a human and as a writer waking up to the realization that it's, you know, everything is still work. And if you want to do it well, it's, it's oftentimes a lot of work, but yeah, I, yeah. your, your story was just, ad, I mean, as exactly the type of stuff that, that we look for. Mm-hmm. And it was because it was just, it was, it was packed full of emotion. And I think when you can, and, and I, when I write, you know, I kind of look at, especially with memoir, I'm, I'm pulling out memories from my, you know, reservoir. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what are the ones that really move me? And so when I write, when I go to write those stories, like if, if it's, you know, it, it depends on what it is. If it's supposed to be a funny story and I'm not laughing, nobody else is going to laugh at it. And if it's on the same token, if it's a serious story and it's a deep and powerful one, if I'm not crying while I'm writing this thing, how can I expect anybody else to do that? Yeah. And so when I read yours, I'm just like, this is, you know, just packed full of of meaning. And you it was by somebody who clearly loved what they do, is very talented at it, and had mm. the courage to to take that step out and put their self like right, you know, like here I am. And I think that's, that's, I think was, is more rare than anything else right now. Mm-hmm. I think there's so many people that fear is just, it just transcends like every aspect of our lives. Mm-hmm. And so, it, you know, if, if anybody's listening and they're like, man, how can I get a leg up? Like, don't be afraid, mm-hmm. write, write the things that you are maybe afraid of, but mm-hmm. don't be afraid of it and just do it, put it out there. And it's not like you have to put this out in front of the world right off the bat, just mm-hmm. do baby steps one step at a time. Yeah, yeah, no, I love that. And thank you for the compliment. I, I really appreciate it. Because, you know, submitting is, well, I, I always tell people that, you know, I write on some days and I submit and other mm. times and I yeah. I write more than I submit, but I keep them separate because they're different energies. And yeah. it can be demoralizing because you get way more rejections than acceptances. Oh, it just, yeah, you get a lot of rejections, a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
And most of the time I'm like, oh, so it wasn't a fit for that person at that moment. Big deal. But like when it's a lot of them on top of each other, it can be really upsetting, you know? Especially when especially when you you have a story that you feel really strongly about. Because I mean, you know, we're not going to hit a home run every single time we step up to the plate. But mm-hmm. some of the ones that we do and we feel it like intrinsically, like, wow, this, I put a, a ton of energy into this. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, again, if it's memoir where it's like, this isn't just a fictional creation that I pull out of my brain, mm-hmm. this is something actually happened and has meaning to me and when i put it out there and it just gets you know sort of trampled on and left in the dust again and again and again and again you you can really get demoralized absolutely yeah it's hard to it's hard to separate that you know even if it's about you that the rejection mm-hmm. isn't of you even though you know intellectually it's not but emotionally it's really hard yeah. to get that you know yeah, and yeah and it takes it's like anything it takes you just getting used to. I think that's one of the big things. I think a lot of people, you know, they might start out and, you know, they'll, they'll submit around and then the, the rejections start piling up. And I, I think, you know, maybe it's the fear of like continuing that because I don't know, I think some people look at it as like, if, if I continue this and I keep getting rejected, then I myself am, you know, a failure. And I think, yeah. you know, that's, that's unfortunate, but I think that's what a lot of people do when they, when they stop doing that. And you can extrapolate that out to, you know, the rest of your life where, where people, it doesn't have to be writing. They just stop doing something because if they continue it and it doesn't work out how they want to, yeah, then, then they feel like they themselves are a failure. For sure, for sure. So, you know, you and I are aligned in our belief that the way the publishing industry works right now is not ideal. And <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> to be diplomatic. That's um, a nice way I, to say it, yes. <laughs> I think we both have some pretty radical ideas for how to change that and how to create opportunities where maybe there never had been. So can you talk about that a little bit, like your perspective on on how publishing is and how you'd like to see it be and and maybe even what you're heading toward? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I apologize if I end up stepping on some toes from people, I'll I'll do my, you know, I'm, I'm kind of an open book and, you know, Mm -hmm. I have my own thoughts and perspectives and I know not everybody aligns with them and and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I I try to do my best to navigate that, but you know, sometimes, sometimes you say things and people don't love them. But the, the thing that has really bugged me in the publishing industry, and this is, you know, I go back almost 20 years now of writing Mm-hmm. And and being in you know various groups, and I've known some really really talented writers. And I'll be honest, some of the most talented writers I know, you've never heard of. Yeah, and and that yeah. bothers me because yeah. when I look at it, I don't like I don't care whose name is on it. And I and I I don't mean to say like when I find an author that I like, mm-hmm. you know, you just kind of a there's a trust that gets established, and I'll keep going back to that author, you know, mm-hmm. and, until and like if you start reading a bunch, and then maybe they their quality lowers or whatever, then I'll move on to somebody else. But if they keep delivering, you know, I'm going to keep going back to them. So I don't mean to say that, that the name doesn't matter, but at the end of the day, like I look at, at the publishing, the the role of the publisher is to be a gatekeeper for quality. And and I look at like, think of like any other business what happened to, you know, in the the companies of like yesteryear, like the Sears or the Maytags or, Mm -hmm. you know, whoever, whatever it may be, Mm -hmm. the ones that you knew when they put out a product that you could trust them because mm-hmm. they always delivered with that product. Mm-hmm. But I could I could not ever say that about you know any any publisher that comes to mind. Maybe there's some small publishers mm-hmm. that I don't know of. But the ones that I know of, I'm I'm not gonna just oh yeah I trust this publisher because they always deliver. No, it's it, they just go they just seem to go with whatever is trending and whatever they think is going to make them the most money in that moment. And I think what mm-hmm. we want to do with Story Unlikely is we want to flip that paradigm on its head. Mm-hmm. And we want to we want to build trust in a relationship 
with our readers. And so when they, you know, when they see that story in their inbox or when, you know, years to come, God knows, you know, where this is going to go. But if, if it has the story unlikely name on it, they know that it's going to be good quality and it's not just going to be, here's, you know, this is what's trending this month, or this is the content, or this is the type of writer that we're, you know, I don't really care about those things, you know, are not, not to say that they're meaningless, mm-hmm. but to me, the quality of the story is King and mm-hmm. that has to come first. And that's what, that's what I want as a reader. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to deliver as a writer and as a publisher. Yeah. I, I, it makes a lot of sense. And one of the things I really resist about the traditional publishing industry is that it's all about, it's all about gatekeeping and about mm-hmm your writing making money for other people. Yeah. And, you know, that's great if it all works out, but it becomes it really becomes not about you or your writing or your story, but about the other people. Yeah. And so I do love that we have the op- the opportunity today to, you know, start a story unlikely or to self-publish or to whatever because, you know, you can put your writing out there and then mm-hmm. let let the market be the judge of it too, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, obviously it's it's frustrating to, to- have to start things from scratch when there's mm-hmm. already vehicles in place that you could just hop in and and go for a, a, an easy cruise. But it's better to have that option to start from nothing than to not have it at all. And and you know the publishing industry we're kind of in a weird state right now, just with the the ups and downs and the volatility and the and the the opportunities that are you know from mm-hmm. ebooks and ops and podcasts and social media and all that stuff. It's really. Mm-hmm it's really changed the dynamic around dramatically. And, and, you know, nobody really knows exactly what it's going to look like, you know, 10 years down the road. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I'm definitely thankful for the opportunity to, to just be able to start something and, and see it, it continue to grow. And just like you said, like, I'm absolutely a free market guy. Like if something works, put it out there, see what happens. And if it doesn't, then, you know, change and, and figure out what, what's going to work. But what you said about, you know, the the publishers, you know, just they care about the bottom line more than they care about the writing. Yeah. And, you know, as a business owner and entrepreneur, like I get that there's, you know, it's a it's a tightrope because you mm-hmm. have to everybody has to make money. Like mm-hmm. like profit isn't a bad thing. It's not evil <laughs> because you want to make money like yeah. you have to do it to survive. And so yeah. I get that. But like I look at, you know, and so I'm, I'm an electrician by trade. Mm-hmm. And so I, I run my own company. I started you know almost 10 years ago now and it's mm-hmm. been very successful. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, one of the main reasons for that is because when I go to, you know, when I go to someone's house and I do a job for them, mm-hmm. I, I think, well, what would I want if I was in this person's shoes? If this was me, what would I want? Mm-hmm. And I always treat our customers the way I would want to be treated. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think, you know, and obviously like I still run the books and run it in a way that were profitable, but mm-hmm. satisfying the customer always comes first. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you do that, if that's your aim, mm-hmm. and as long as you're, you know, reasonably good with the books and numbers, like mm-hmm. the profits will come after that. Mm-hmm. And what mm-hmm. I found is that like in this, like I don't advertise, we don't spend a dime on advertising. There's all kinds of stuff that we don't have to do that larger companies spend mm-hmm. gobs of money on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was just, so I had a plumber over to my house the other day, my sewer was backed up mm-hmm. and I was chatting with him because they had, I said, you know, do I pay you now or, or, or do I need to, you know, send me an invoice and I send in the mail. He's like, oh no. He's like, we went to, to paying, you know, at time of service only. So I was chatting mm-hmm. with him about it and he goes, mm-hmm. yeah, he's, you know, we, we did a, and they're, they're a smaller company. I mean, they're only like eight guys and, and I've mm-hmm. only, you know, we're, we're even smaller than that. Mm-hmm. And he goes, yeah, we we finally did the numbers uh, just recently, and and we looked back to see how many how much we're owed, 
mm-hmm. jobs that have been unpaid. Uh-huh. And he said we had one hundred eighty thousand dollars. Oh my god! I know for an for a company that's pretty small, they're not yeah. a huge company. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm I'm mad if I go like you know five hundred bucks a year and I don't get paid for it. Yeah. But but again, it's like we're so small that it's all word of mouth. It's all and so our good customers they spread our word around and we get mm-hmm. like good customers. We get good customers, mm-hmm. and so we don't. There's all kinds of things that God only knows what I don't have to deal with because mm-hmm. we do such a good job for all of our customers and, and not to, to you know use that as a, to mean that other companies aren't doing a good job mm-hmm. but th- just in that process it's just been incredible for us and so the profits come out of taking care of people and doing things well so long story short in mm-hmm. the same way i think publishers you know in their i hate to say it but in their greed mm-hmm. have they've missed the mark from a quality standpoint. And mm-hmm. I think they're actually missing out on a greater opportunity for profit when, mm-hmm. when they could, they could, again, if you establish yourself and your relationship with your customers, they'll keep coming back to you. Oh yeah. So imagine what, like you don't have to to spend on advertising where you don't have to just trip over each other to try to make that sale. Mm-hmm. And people just, they come right to my door is, you know, so as an electrician, like I have more customers coming to me than I can take care of. So mm-hmm. I pick and choose my customers. Mm-hmm. But what if it was like that with your your publishing industry and you had so many people coming and want to buy your books that yeah. you know you could barely I mean that's like a dream come true. And I think yeah. I really think that could happen if they if they change their their mindset around and and you know we'll see if it happens with story unlikely. Yeah. I mean just making it a more human and you know quality model where you're looking at that connection that relationship and mm. and like you said taking care of people i mean totally disrupting big business and the way that publishing is and all that and so it's a revolutionary idea i don't know if it's going to happen but i do love that <laughs> right. we have way more options and yeah. And well, we can nothing, create possibilities. You know, there's nothing worse than buying a book. And I, in the same way, like think about when you buy a CD, you know, back, mm-hmm. back when they used to sell them, I don't know yeah. so anymore, but <laughs> you know, you'd hear that one song on the radio and you're like, oh, that's a fantastic song. And then you go buy the CD and the rest of it's garbage. And you're like, I just, I just got robbed. That was terrible. And so the same thing is with a book. Like, you know, you read a, you read, you read a, a book by an author and then you go buy another one by them, or maybe it's just some something that grabbed your attention, mm-hmm. but it's terrible. And it's like, yeah. I just got robbed 15 bucks. That was garbage. It's <laughs> the worst. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I can't stand it if I pay for a book and then I don't enjoy it. And I it's like, it. you know, so you always have to look. I always like open it to a random page in the bookstore and I'm like, is this a good page? Do I like it? Because <laughs> right. if not, I'm not buying it, you know, but anyway, so I want to get back to you. So I know that you write short stories and essays. I'd love for you to tell me about your writing, about what yeah. inspires it, um, where you've been excited to be published and and what you're hoping for from your writing career. I I got started in writing and I never, you know, as a kid, I didn't like writing. I didn't like reading. And, you know, I think a little bit can be blamed on on maybe the public school system and the, the, some of the books <laughs> that they they threw at me that that didn't do it for me. But some of it, you know, is, is probably just being a kid and some of it was just me. Uh-huh. Uh, but it wasn't until I watched Lord of the Rings that sparked me to want to go read more. And so the Lord of the Rings, all three of them came out when I was in high school. Okay. My senior year, everyone came out and I loved them. I was absolutely blown away. I always liked fantasy stuff, and I, but it was good enough. It was so good that I'm like, you know what? I want to, I want to read, I want to read the books. And <laughs> then I had heard that, you know, we had like this Silmarillion that had all the history stuff. I'm like, that sounds cool. <laughs> so I started, I started reading that. And about that same time, 
So I graduated and, you know, this is 2004. And so kind of like today, although the trends I think are starting to shift, everybody goes to college, right? Mm -hmm. Except I didn't want to. I'm like, I don't really need Mm -hmm. to. I want to become an electrician. I want to work my hands. I want to do, you know, something It still requires a brain to do that. Mm -hmm. And that's what I wanted to do. So I was waiting at home. I got, I accepted, I got, or I applied, I got accepted, Mm -hmm. but I had to wait until spring. So Mm -hmm. I was just kind of, I was living at my parents' home, 18, Mm -hmm. uh, working part-time, had a ton, you know, gobs of time on my hand. Mm-hmm. And I just sort of like, even at 18, I kind of saw just like my youth sort of like slipping away. Mm-hmm. And it sounds silly, but but we had, gosh, we had such a good time in high school and even in middle school. And, and you know, the, the remainder of my young adult mm-hmm. life, I had a great group of friends who mm-hmm. were just very creative. And, you know, our, our whole high school was basically pranking each other with benign jokes and playing mm-hmm. video games and, mm-hmm. and eating McDonald's at, at midnight. <laughs> and so I looked at all that and I thought, gosh, you know, what a, what a great thing that we had, mm-hmm. but it, it's a shame to see that go away. And so I just started writing stories down. I'm like, I should just start writing these down so we don't mm-hmm. forget them. Mm-hmm. So I started writing those down and then I passed them along to my buddies and, and they just thought it was just the best. Mm-hmm. And so I kept doing it like, oh, you, oh, right, right. What about this one? Right. What about that one? And so I just kept doing that. And I, I kind of, you know, had like this idea. I'm like, well, you know, if, if there's, if there's any demographic that would be hard to capture with the written word. Surely it's the young adult male. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, if I can do that, then maybe I can, maybe I can, you know, write some other, some really good stuff. And so yeah. I started, I started, I wrote a few novels uh-huh. were terrible, but Hey, you know, it's your first time. And I, uh-huh. I started writing short stories and, and I, you know, got into some different writers groups and, and really, you know, started to get critiqued on my stuff and had some, you know, really good people around me to help mm-hmm. sharpen all that stuff. And so mm-hmm. I did that for years, started, you know, playing the submission game, started to get a few things published, but then, you know, life hit mm-hmm. and I, you know, I got married, mm-hmm. uh, I got laid off, mm-hmm. started my own business, started having kids. Mm-hmm. And so I came to a point just from a time standpoint, well, I can keep writing or I can keep submitting, but I don't really have time to do both. So I decided to keep writing because I like to do that. And I saw, you know, regardless of whether it gets published or not, I'm still going to keep writing, you know, stories and I'm still going to keep improving versus Mm -hmm. if I just submit all the time with what little time I have, maybe I'll get published, but maybe I won't. And at the end of the day, I'm not really up anything. Sure. So I just did that for years. And then I think things kind of started to turn. So we, my wife and I, we lost our son, Caleb. It was uh, it was a third trimester pregnancy. And I'm so, so sorry. It, it, yeah. And, and it was, you know, incredibly difficult. Yes. And that was, you know, just devastating to, yeah. to both of us. And, yeah. and I remember being in the hospital, you know, while we're um, just processing this and I, just did what came naturally to me. I started, I grabbed the laptop and I just started writing. Mm. And, and that's, you know, I, I wrote a story about it. And, mm-hmm. you know, the next day or two, I, I just posted it on Facebook. Mm. I thought, well, you know, people like need to know, like yeah. they're going to be asking, they're going to be wondering. So I'll just, I guess this is kind of a catch all. I just posted on here. Yeah. And that was the first time where I had, I mean, the responses from people, I mean, just it was unbelievable mm-hmm. how many people reached out to me and that they were, you know, they're like, I'm just, I'm crying all over myself and just reading mm-hmm. your writing. And I'm so sorry. And, and mm-hmm. like, that was, I mean, it was very like, 
I didn't realize how therapeutic it was. I didn't understand, you know, mm-hmm. I, that was like the first real like emotional blow in my life that I had experienced. And I didn't really you know, understand that you mm-hmm. need to talk about these things and you need to like tell people about it. Like that's yeah. it's its own form of therapy. Yeah. But also like the connections that you, you sort of gain with people. I, it's like, it's indescribable. Yeah. And so, you know, from that point on, I'm like, you know, I shouldn't just, you know, limit my stuff to, you know, whether stories around a campfire or the, you know, the random publisher who wants to take it. I mean, Mm -hmm. why don't I start posting this stuff on, on Facebook? Yeah. And so I just did for five years, I I did that. I'd write a story about once a month and I'd post it on there and, Mm -hmm. and it was, you know, and it was kind of all over the place from, from mm-hmm. you know, hilarious stuff from when I was a kid to difficult stuff. You know, my, mm-hmm. a year after, a little over a year after, you know, Caleb passed, my dad just ran, you know, suddenly passed away unexpectedly. Mm. And that was oh. also very, very difficult. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, the right, like writing about it, you know, I'm so thankful that that was a part of my life mm-hmm. because that really helped me process and grieve through this. And I, you know, now coming out on, you know, it's, that was, uh, five years ago so that my dad passed away the day after christmas which Mm. this year was five years Mm -hmm. and so you know enough time has expired that you can kind of look back and and it's not that like i don't mean to to give the impression that like i'm like perfectly healed i'm all bet like everything is like i'm healed to i think to the extent that i can at this point in time yeah um but i also feel that you know there's some things that just you know they're they're going to be with you no matter where you're at you know, mm-hmm. it's going to be hard, but looking back at it, I'm like, the, what I went through, like, I should have some sort of like psychological disorder. I should have some <laughs> sort of like, and I, I never, like before that, I mm-hmm. never understood, like, I don't say people who are crazy, but, but people who have like psychological disorders, like some of that stuff, I never understood it. I've, I've been around people that have had this stuff and I'm like, what on earth has, you know, possessed this person to become, you know, so whacked out. Mm-hmm. But now I know. Like I get it, like emotional trauma to the extreme. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a miracle that I'm I look at that and I'm like, it's a miracle that I'm I don't have some sort of weird tick or whatever. But I know, <laughs> I know all the things, you know, that you can do. And I'm not at all dismissing or discounting any of that, you know, whether it's being around family and friends and, and prayer and all in community and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I know the biggest thing for me was writing about it. And that's what you know, had changed me and helped me heal more than anything. And so, you know, looking at, you know, in in the years since it's like, here's this, this gift that, that anybody can have. It's like, Mm -hmm. you don't have to be, you know, the best writer out there to write about your stuff or talk about it. And so Mm -hmm. I think a lot of that, you know, is in the back of my mind, Mm -hmm. starting story unlikely and and sort of the goals and what we want to see and what we want to do. I think it's so much bigger than just telling good stories and I, and not to dismiss, you know, the light stuff and the fun stuff. Cause we, I mm-hmm. love, I love to laugh. I love funny stories. Mm-hmm. I think stories, you know, are like everything. They come in all shapes and sizes and genres and, and you should do that. But I think absolutely like there's a certain preference, you mm-hmm. know, to those really deep, meaningful stories. Yeah. I tell, I tell writers all the time that, you know, if you're, if your writing touches one person and makes them feel less alone it was successful. Yeah. You know, and that's what it is. Like, it sounds like the types of things that you've um, been brave enough to write about could really help other people know that, that they're not going through really hard times or traumas alone, that even though they don't know you because your words resonate, you're in it together. And that's Mm. really powerful. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Well, so, and thank you for doing that too, because I think that that it is courageous to write about these topics and to put yourself out there and be vulnerable. And I actually have a, an, an episode on the podcast with Christopher Locke, who is a guy that I went to Goddard College with for my MFA. And um, he writes really raw, really um, vulnerable, and it's so powerful. And and he said, you know, you just got to show up the way you're meant to show up and really be be brave because other people yeah. need that too. It helps yeah. you, but it helps them too, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, all right. So what is your vision for Story Unlikely and for your own writing going forward? And I have to add to that, you know, I want to see all those Facebook posts in a collection, which I would buy, <laughs> but um, what's your vision for both going forward? Yeah. Oh gosh, you know it kind of changes too as as story and likely continues to grow and evolve. Mm-hmm. Originally, I didn't really have much of a vision. It was just more of an idea of like, oh, I'll just you know start a website and here you know we'll we'll send out a story a month and you know passively accumulate a you know an, an audience if if there's one for it. Mm-hmm. And now seeing the success and 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 you know in just two short years we now have thousands of subscribers and and I think we're in seventy seven countries. Wow. And, and every day, I mean, we've been averaging like 25 new subscribers every day for for months now. And so it's, it's amazing. Yeah, it's incredible. And I did not expect that, but here it is. And so like when you see the potential for something, it changes what, what you think it could become. Because I, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I think the last time I spoke to you, I think, you know, I'm I said, you know, we want to get to a hundred thousand mm-hmm. subscribers and, mm-hmm. and I, I hate, I hate talking like in terms like that because <laughs> I hate, you know, saying like, you just feel like one of those idiots who, you know, their heads up in the clouds and especially, you know, in this day and age where everybody, you know, is on YouTube and, and everybody has some, you know, just stupid social media stuff they post every day. And, and oh, I have my following. And I'm, I'm like, oh, blow my brains out. Okay. So I, I, I feel, I, I feel like an idiot saying that, but I mean, you do have to talk numbers and you have to be realistic about things as well. And so like, that's kind of a lofty goal, yeah. but I really think we can get there. Uh-huh. And especially just with the traction that we've had, you know, even the last few months, like that's absolutely an attainable goal. And so if that's attainable, what else is attainable? Because I mean, I was, when I started this, I'm like, well, if we can get a hundred subscribers, we can get 200. And if we can get 200, we can get 400. And if we can get 400, we can get 800 and we can get, you know, and on and on and on and on. And so I'm not saying that we're going to become, you know, the next Joe Rogan, but I do think that if you can, you know, if we can build a big enough audience that we could potentially start to change things within the industry. Because when you have a large enough group, people start to take notice and they're going to say, okay, well, how did you get to be so successful? What, what is it? And, and I'll tell them. And I think some of, you know, in, in some of their arrogance, won't want to listen to it and won't, <laughs> won't, you know, they'll dismiss it, but it, you know, other people will start listening and they're like, you know what, maybe we should go back to just telling good stories. Maybe we should just go back to the quality and put that as our top priority instead yeah. of whatever secondary things that we keep heaping on in, into the into the number one spot there. So that's yeah. I mean, I don't I don't have I guess anything too specific other than, you know, we we want to start getting to print mm-hmm. and we want to, you know, keep keep on with our contests and keep on with with the way that we're submitting and doing the magazine. I always want to keep so right now we send out one story a month. Mm-hmm. And it's free. Sign up. You know, there's no no cost to that. And we don't we don't blow up your inbox. With, and I mean, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I hate so many things. You sign up and then they send. I mean, it's every two days they're sending you something. And I'm like, I don't 
I don't want this. Send me something like one, you know, every, <laughs> yes. every once in a blue moon, but don't blow up my inbox. So we don't, we send out one story a month. That's it. We want to mm-hmm. respect people's inboxes. And, you know, we always want to keep, that's kind of a, a thing that I want to keep that, you know, free. I want to keep the ability to, to let anybody join up and read stuff. Mm-hmm. But at some point, you know, and I, and maybe, you know, it might even be within this next year, at some point we're going to have to monetize. The bigger it gets, the more costs are associated and, and the more time it takes mm-hmm. uh, to keep things up. And so it's just part of the game. Mm-hmm. So at some point we'll, we'll start doing that and we'll look into, you know, maybe a subscriber platform and, you know, adding more perks on and all that kinds of stuff. But I don't, the details, I don't have any of that at the moment, but it's not, it's all on the radar. So what I'm hearing is that story unlikely cannot be contained and big <laughs> things are ahead and we should all make sure that we're reading intently so that we are part of the movement. Yeah. Well, well said. Well said. <laughs> okay, good. Awesome. And of course, I'm going to share in the show notes, all of the links. And so people can sign up if they haven't and yeah, they absolutely. can learn all about you and everything like that. So as our conversation comes to a close, I would love to hear what advice you might offer to writers who are listening, both in general, and if they are interested in submitting to Story Unlikely. Yeah. Well, I think I touched on, I think one of the big things earlier when I said, you know, be be courageous, be brave, don't be, don't let the fear of whatever it is, hold you back. And, and one mm-hmm. of the interesting things is, you know, be kind of being in the editor publisher seat is I get a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And so I get, you know, a, a lot of submissions sent to us and I, I read, you know, I read through these every night and it's, some of it is is pretty amazing because there are people out there who, you know, they email us and, and they say, you know, gosh, I've been writing a long time, but I've never submitted anything, but I came across story unlikely. And for whatever, whatever reason it was, we like your vibe or whatever, you know, I felt comfortable enough to send something to you. So it's, it's kind of cool to get those things, but it's also, it's like eye opening for me that like, wow, how many people are out there that are writing, but they're just, you know, they, they're timid and they don't want to come out of the woodwork. So I would say, you know, if, if that's you just, you know, just do it, just take that leap, take that first step and submit it. Yeah, just be brave and and mm-hmm. and do that. And I think uh, as far as if if people are submitting to story unlikely, what advice do I have? Write really well, write really good. Do <laughs> do your opening. Do because one of the things that you know I, we filter out. We we have people put the first two hundred fifty words uh-huh. in the body of the email, and that uh-huh. is a filter. And because there's you know there's plenty of submissions that are not very good, mm-hmm. and so we just delete them after reading the, the first you know, 250 words. So mm-hmm. I would say if you want to get a second look, make sure your opening is a killer opening. And that means you need to take time and practice your openings, keep writing, you know, many short stories, look at other writers and how they're doing openings, and then look at it from as if you were an editor and you were going to be accepting or declining a story and, and mm-hmm. see what pulls you in. And it's not, and I would say, don't, you know, there's all kinds of advice out there and, and not all of it's good. I remember one of the things that really bugged me early on Mm-hmm. is you know you'd hear especially from in like genre fiction is like oh you, you gotta you gotta you know incorporate conflict in that first that opening sentence and then they then they list like 20 other things that you had to incorporate in that first <laughs> sentence and i'm like am i writing like 400 word sentences here to, to get this you know and, and then of course you know they don't do it themselves the people who give this advice of, of the 20 things that you have to do in your opening <laughs> scene they don't you know they never do it and i'm right. just like why does it have to it doesn't ha- it doesn't have to be conflict conflict's a great 
thing to use, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah, There's all yeah. kinds of other things to do in there. So I would say, you know, trust your instincts and, and what is it that draws you in as a reader? What do you want to see? And then try to incorporate that into your own writing. Mm-hmm. Love it. Great, great advice. Awesome. Danny Hankner, it has been such a pleasure to talk with you today on the Make Meaning Podcast. Awesome. Thanks, Lino. I, I appreciate it. It was great, great being on here and, and finally getting to chat with you. Thanks for listening to the Make Meaning Podcast with Lynn Galadner. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you like what you've heard, subscribe and share this episode with the meaningful people in your world. And please leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. You can learn more at makemeaning.org or lynngalodner.com.